to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I am Jay Warmke. I'm Annie Warmke. You are today for sure, for sure. And today we're <laughs> going to talk know. about, we're going to talk about active hope. Okay. Or don't worry, be happy, right? No, no? I don't, I don't think this is okay. about being happy. Okay. So tell me, tell me what is active hope? What is this thing? So active hope is is a, a phrase coined by a woman named Joanna Macy, and um, and we can talk a little bit more about her. But the, the the reality is that she went to different countries and she's taught this concept of um, how to feel how to feel hopeful about your own existence and how you live in this world and how to experience the, um, and allow yourself to experience gratitude and then the grief that we have around the earth and how everything that's on this earth is being treated and exploited. And then what do we do with that when we have allowed ourselves to grieve about that. We, everybody I know has lots of pain around those issues right now. And, um, and then how do we look at our own gratitude and, and our sense of grief with new eyes? How do, how do we repackage that if you will? And, and then how do we move forward? How do we connect in a different kind of way than we have before we allowed ourselves to say, hey, yes, I have lots of gratitude for the sun and the sky and the trees and all of that. And and I'm so sad about what's happening. So is she saying in summary that it's easy to be it's easy to be negative. It's easy to be bombarded with all of the messages we receive all day long and, and it can all feel hopeless. But if you want a sense of hope, you have to actively participate in, in that internal generation of this hopefulness. Yeah, it's up to you. It's basically up to you. And, and we know that a, a, a big percentage of people in this country are unhappy. Um, I know that it, this year they did, they use, uh, uh, one of these measuring groups used um, 29 different measurement tools to look at people's happiness. And, and, um, and what they found is that 38% of people are not happy with how things are. They're not happy in their own life. They're not happy with their work. They're not happy with how they live. Um, and that's a big percentage of people. And then we look at, you know, the suicide rates and the, uh, drug addiction issues and the alcoholism. So, so those folks are just checking out. They're just self-medicating. Well, it's how you deal with the grief you have about life is mm -hmm. you choose to, uh, create a, a veil so you don't have to look at it. And also we live in a culture that does, that really discourages people from thinking. And we're definitely interested in keeping our children from learning how to think through banning books and uh, smacking them down if sure. they have ideas. Um, well, I would imagine this is a issue. The sense of hopelessness anyway is something that's accelerating in large measure. And, and this is my uninformed opinion on this, but it's always with the news media always been, if it bleeds, it leads. So, so you get, 
messages of negativity all the time from from that saying you don't say hey everybody got up in detroit today and was fine you know that's not a news story yeah no but if somebody's shooting somebody then that's a news story that's right but then also when you talk about laying a layer of social media on there where every person that you see on social media it's sort of like their best day ever you know, is, is presented as a normal day. Like, oh, I'm in Belize again on the beach or, oh, I'm skiing in Aspen. And you're sitting there going, how come I don't have a life? Okay. But that's, that question is the bullshit of this because, because the thing is that people are showing you their gratitude, however artificial or superficial it is. And then people can't translate that to themselves and say, well, my gratitude is I'm grateful for, Sure, I'm lucky that I have. So, so this process is another tool to say, instead of you sitting there going, I am now envious and that makes me feel bad. Yeah. You should be going, it's great that you're having a good time. And I feel grateful about this. Yeah. And I'm grateful that you experience this and what can I learn from that? How can I look at that with a different view? Okay. So I'm, I'm sad that I don't get to be in Belize and go to the rainforest because I've been worrying about the rainforest and the monkeys and all the things that happen there, but I don't have to go there to find what I'm looking for in life. And that is a sense of accomplishment, a sense of being content Mm -hmm. and having enough. And, and frankly, most people don't have enough. So what is the structure of this process? So I want to be more hopeful. So, so what tools, what tools do I, do I have or that you're going to share with us? Okay. So just to go with my own life experiences, which is why I'm interested in Joanna Macy's, um, uh, active hope. She has, has a book that she wrote about active hope and, um, and, and the reason that I'm interested in that is that she puts into words exactly how I have found is that best way to live my life. So when I'm talking about this, I'm just talking about my own experiences and saying, look, I know this to be true. So, you know, people used to say to me, oh, Annie, you could get thrown into a pile of manure and you would stand up and you'd be like a little bit confused at first. And then you'd say, I've got it. I can grow the best roses I ever grew in my life. And they'll bring lots of money when sure. I sell them. And and I can give testimony to this, <laughs> having been with you for 40 some years is, you know, it's nice on a nice day like today, beautiful, sunny day. And, and we'll be outside and you'll just say, boy, don't you just feel rich? Don't you feel... Like, look at it, this, look at it, the breeze, the sun, it's warm. You know, it's like start listing off all of the nice things and, and savoring the day. And that's nice because I can be pretty, (laughs) uh, what internally focused, gloom and doomy, whatever you get, you're in your head a lot. Yeah. But I think, I do think, well, it's spacious because there's very little else there. (laughs) Uh, But I think that the reality of it is that we live in a culture that does not value being spiritual or feeling spiritual. We have religion. I put that in quotes if I was writing it, because religion is really a rule book that you must live by so that people at the top can make lots of money. That's how I see it and and get control of your life. But it's it's like corporatization of spiritualism. Yeah, but there is there no spiritualism. Yeah, and well. so this is the challenge. So 
when we talk about being hopeful, when we talk about having gratitude, when we talk about saying, how do we look at our life and, and what surround us, surrounds us in from that lens, then we have a whole different way that we feel about something. So if you go around saying all the time, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We do it all the time. We all do it. And then someday you think, all right, today I'm not going to say I'm sorry today, unless I really should be sorry. I'm going to say when somebody makes a mistake or I make a mistake, I'm going to say, oh, I made a mistake. I'll fix that. It alters how you feel inside because you're not bombarding yourself and shaming yourself in the dumbest possible way, really. So I think there are all these little things that we can do that will change how we view our life. And it really all boils down to many of the podcasts that we've done when we talk about thinking locally. Locally is in your head. It's about as local as it gets. That's right. It doesn't get any better than that. And you have to be your own best friend and you have to say, you know, uh, recognize we talk to it in our head. We talk 15,000 words a minute. And if I'm always saying I'm sorry and I'm no good and I never get it right. And, you know, I don't have enough. I I know. And that's a self-fulfilling prophecy instead of looking at something with new eyes and saying, all right, I have been sad. I have a right to have been sad, but I don't have to stay there. You know, lots of us have incredible relationships. It only takes one other person to be able to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I've been lucky that I've had you as my, in my corner, encouraging me saying, well done, don't give up. They're pushing back. Oh, you're winning. You know, <laughs> that that's really vital. But then who is that person in your life? And who are the people that also support your life, even if they aren't those people who are your mentors or people that you can go to for anything? And these are all ways that we can find this active hope. What trees are in your neighborhood? Do you like squirrels? What are they doing? What can you do to support their lives or move them to somewhere where they're safer? So is all of this basically saying, seek out those things for which you can be grateful for, you know, like list them, keep them front and center. Yeah, And they really should be very rooted in spiritual thinking, like I love this or I care about this and nature. Because if we don't move to that arena in our life now, we're really, really in trouble because nature is the, is the only thing that supports our life. It isn't the corporations. It isn't the milk from the cow. It is how we, the air we breathe, the water we drink and all the things that nature provides us. So I think, you know, active hope as a, as a book is a lot more complicated than that in that, um, a little more complicated, I'll, I'll put it that way, than that than the way I'm explaining it. But this is my experience in life, and then I feel like Joanna Macy has really um, put that put that into words. So you know, if you're a battered woman, if you've lost your job, um, it, even it, it being homeless, which I have been, all of those things, um, there are positive pieces to it. I remember walking around Athens once um, when I uh, I was I had been homeless and I was in the battered women's shelter and I was going to have to move and I didn't have anywhere to go. And I was walking around looking at for rent signs and trying to figure out how I could talk 
the rental people into having a HUD contract because I had been awarded a, a HUD contract because I, I was a battered woman. And, um, and I just felt this incredible happiness. Yes, I'm alone. Yes, I'm at this point in my life. But I made this for myself. I am free of the abuse. My brain is feeling better. I don't feel like I'm the lowest, you know, slug on the earth. And this is going to work. And the next day, somebody called me at uh, the shelter and said, we've got a little trailer that will accept HUD uh, certificate and you should come look at it. And it was so great. It was a teeny tiny thing and it was clean and um, and it was a gift. It was really a gift to my life in a sanctuary where I could put the couch against the door so <laughs> nobody could get in and beat me up. But th- these are the things, you know, it sounds so silly, but this is what active hope is about. And you need it every day, every single day to in order to live in this culture and feel good about yourself. Well, I must say that recently, you know, I'm kind of a news junkie, so are you, and, and we talk <laughs> about these things on the news. Things that are going on have all these long political arguments and discussions, not arguments, because we largely agree on on everything because we we're argue. we're always right. We fuss, so. as our granddaughter says. <laughs> but, but recently the news has been so bleak and... Um, that I just want to just turn it off. I, I don't even, I don't want to engage in it. So in my brain at the moment, I'm in this kind of disengagement phase, but then there's this little noise in the back of my mind saying, oh, that's like, that's part of the problem. You're not willing to engage with these things. How do problems ever get fixed? If you're just simply going to turn your blind eye, everything's fine for you, but what about these other poor people? You know, blah, 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 blah. It's that nagging kind of, um, you know, liberal bias uh, that's saying, if I don't engage in it, nobody will. If I don't correct it, nobody will. And, and uh, so how do you turn that thing off? But before you get into that, and answer that. I'll let you have a moment there to think. I want to remind <laughs> oh, you. I want to remind everybody that you are listening to when the biomass hits the wind turbine with Jay and the always thinking Annie Warmke, <laughs> reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. Thank God. Thank God. Okay, so I was just we're talking about active hope, um, the process, uh, and I know this is a um, podcast or a radio program about. Uh, sustainability. And obviously the most sustainable thing is to keep yourself alive and happy, you know, and, and functioning as a human being. And so, so the first landscape that you have to clean up and make sure it's, it's well tended and and sustainable is the landscape inside your brain. Right. Um, You know, your internal spirit. So, so how is it that, that you can um, sort of take that attitude? Sounds a bit like a Pollyanna, you know, I'm walking through life and everything's great. But, well, you can but change the message in your brain, and that is science. It's an electrical pathway that you've created or you ha- allowed someone else to create for you by the messages people give you. You can make a new pathway by telling yourself when you say all the time, I'm sorry, say shut up to yourself and right. begin. It's a, the Science shows that three or four times in a row, like each time you would have said, I'm sorry, if you say something else, then that will be the new electrical pathway. The old one will still be there and you've got it in your toolkit. The thing that we have to think about is 
that a lot of the grief that we have today is rooted in the word anxiety. We live in a culture that is so pushing anxiety onto us. We don't have control. It's the end of the world. Like you like to say, oh, it's the, it was always been the end of the world. You know, I always say ever since I can remember the world was about to end. end. So, so Mm -hmm. I think that we have to recognize that anxiety is sort of the new buzzword and it's not a buzzword, but the buzzword, everybody's like, I'm so anxious. I have so much anxiety. And then once that anxiety begins, it's like a, a shipwreck. Well, but how do you deal with the folks and it could be internal or it could be external. Uh, I, I, I get very excited about all the new opportunities that come from the world of renewable energy and the opportunities there. And I'm excited about artificial intelligence and all of that, that, that can come about yet. There are certainly perils associated with it. And I hear so many people saying, well, that's all fine and good for you because you've got this and you've got that, but you just, you know, it's almost like if I'm not upset and anxious and worried, then that's kind of my badge of honor that I'm a caring person. And if you're not, you're just indifferent to the suffering of everybody on the planet, you know? Well, I think that there's a process to identifying what it is that's behind this anxiety. And I think it's as simple as the three steps that uh, I identified early in my life. And one is describing your sense of loss, because if you're anxious, you're feeling out of control, that you don't have control in your life and you don't have, you think you don't have control over what you tell yourself or what you tell others. I mean, some of the things people say to each other just, I, I I don't know what to say to that. So if you can just make a list, you know, when you write down something, it is like you used an indelible ink in your brain and it's there now. And you can go, oh, wait, that's the reason I process this to feeling anxious when in fact, this is what I'm really feeling, which is grief or a sense of loss or a sense of I don't have the control I'd like to have in my life. The second idea is to say, what are some different ways that you could could look at this now? You've had a significant loss, maybe your job or you're homeless or you don't have the, the sense of how you move forward in life. That's a lot of people. Where do you want to be in five years? So begin to identify, all right, I've had this, but how did that change me? How did these experiences change me? And it did. It did. The minute it happened, something in you changed, whether it made you less anxious or more anxious or. Well, we, we've talked about that in our in in our relationship. We'll say things like this was a really dark period in our lives. There's some terrible things happening. But if you wanted to go back and change them, we wouldn't because that's what led us to where we are now. You know, it's like everybody is. I don't is, want to do it again, though. No, I know. Yeah. Well, certainly don't want to be a teenager again no, or whatever. No, But But all of these experiences, and if you're in a good place at the moment, internally and all that, basically all these other things led up to who you are today. Yeah. And, and so you go, well, then why am I sitting here dwelling on this negative when really it's just part of the no, tapestry? No, but it is that there's this need to heal. And I think yeah. about when you're saying this, it, the one example came to my mind is I remember saying many times early days when I finally ended up in a sanctuary in a battered women's shelter where I could stay hidden long enough 
that it was like that day I'm walking around looking for a place to rent. And I said to myself, oh, you know, this is my life now. This is my, okay, I'm homeless, but it's my homelessness. And, and the, the thing is that we have to be able to say to ourselves, I, I'm experiencing this or I experienced this, but how did that change me? How did, so, so we And can, what am I taking forward with yes, this? Yes. And so what yeah. I would say when people would say, oh, it's so terrible what happened to you and how you were tortured. And I'm like, you know, you don't understand. I'm not grateful to this guy for what he did to me. What I am grateful for is that I survived and I said to myself, I am going to figure out how to live a life of feeling good about me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. And it, it hadn't been for him and the things he did to me, I would have been dead because I was very self-destructive and I was just like a feather in the wind, somebody nice to me, I was going to do whatever. And I learned from all those experiences, no, I don't want to do it again. I wouldn't be capable of doing it again. I would fight back in a different way. But the reality is that period of my life pushed me to be who I am today. And every decision that I make is rooted in the experience of me saying to myself, I don't care where I go or what I have to do after this experience. I'm going to make the world a different place for women and their families. That has been my motto in my life. Well, I think everybody has that same situation. You know, it's just what, what they, the well, everybody is a, a, a composite of what their experiences have been. Oh, absolutely. I was going to use the analogy between you and your twin brother, where you mm-hmm. say, okay, we both had horrific childhoods, horrific experiences growing up. He chose to just remain focused on that. Look uh, at, oh, look at my life is ruined because of this. And my parents didn't love me yeah, and they and all were of mean. That. And Whereas uh, you're looking at him going, get over it, man. Now let's look that way. Well, not, how to use it? How do you use it for good? Let's how look to, forward, not backwards. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the things that he wrote to me before his death, I I was in shock. I remember reading you the letter and he'd written it to my mother. And I was just like, wow. You're still on that. I didn't (laughs) remember. I don't care. I really don't care because I'm wanting to go forward. I think it's important to know your story. I think it's important to know where you came from. And I, but you've got to do this healing piece. If you don't do it, it's going to come out in the worst possible way at the worst possible moment. And it doesn't go away. So part of active hope then is first off, identifying and being grateful for all of those things around you that that you have everybody. Well, it has. doesn't have to be all okay, those well, things. It to, could be one thing. Trying to summarize. Yeah. And and then the other one is when bad things happen, which happen to everybody, you know, learn from the healing of it, accept the healing of it, know that you have to go through a period of grief, a period of healing. And then how do we come out the other side of that with perhaps new insights or, or whatever? Well, we better have some to new move forward. You're saying seeing with new eyes, you know, it's like, look at, instead of saying sorry, you'll just say, yeah, okay, um, that's fine. Well, an example, it might not even be to say that's fine, but an example for me was when we, some of the things that we experienced when our granddaughter was small. And I remember saying to myself, I'm not going to say this is bad. I am not going to say I'm angry. I'm going to say this is challenging. 
And the reason for that was that word felt like, okay, I'm used to challenges. I've had lots of challenges, especially when I was like trying to build the house out of trash or, or put up with my daughter or, you know, any of those. These were challenges, but they were not insurmountable. Sure. And I think it's what we tell ourselves. I honestly believe that. Well, one example that came to my mind was, of course, I was always so fearful of public speaking forever and ever and ever. And, and of course, a lot of this just comes from practice. But um, some one time it just occurred to me, you know what? Everybody out there who's listening to me wants me to do well because they don't want a negative experience. And as long as I'm fine with that, as long as I'm comfortable up here, then anything I do is going to be fine because I was worried, oh, what if I misspeak? What if I, what if the AV stops but working? But before that, before I that, you were worried because you grew up in a family where you weren't oh, supposed to do that. And don't a, draw attention to No, yourself. that's right. Yeah. So in 1986, I ran for county commissioner in Florida and I said, I, I can't be three places at once. I need you the good looking white guy yeah. to show up and give a talk for me. That was horrible. And you came back and you were ashen colored and you said, don't ever make me do that again. That's right. And what did I tell you? Um, Go to Kiwanis, join Kiwanis and <laughs> become the speak. president yeah. because this is, this is like learning to swim. You have to okay. do it. And it, and, and you made it. It changed my life. Well, no, I didn't change your life. And I'm Senator from the great state of Ohio. No, <laughs> no, but think about it. What you did something with it. I could have said that every day of your life and it wouldn't have made any difference. But what you said to yourself, you reframed it somehow and you said, I can do this. And then you went to Qantas and you made friends and you accomplished a lot. And at one point you're speaking to thousands of people in other languages, even mm -hmm. it was incredible. But that moment when you said, my family never draws attention. <laughs> that was the real root of it. Okay. Well, we've only got about a minute here okay. for you to uh, summarize, right. summarize what, what the whole thing about active hope is. Well, I will say that the refusal to feel takes an active toll in your life. A refusal to admit that there's pain and, and that it surrounds you in nature and in your life. And a refusal to say, I can do something about it. It's not about, I'm going to go down to City Hall and blow it up. It's about um, uh, saying, I have control over certain things in my life. And uh, I just read an example that was really interesting. Some women that are, are um, wanting people to support the ballot uh, in Ohio right now. And so they made posters. This is the uh, abortion rights yeah. ballot Yeah, they made posters and they went in the night in these big cities and they posted them all over the city. And when people got up the next morning, that was what they were talking about. Now, that's pretty cool. Who would think of that? You'd be thinking, oh, there's no way this is we don't have a bunch of money. We can't make this happen. But they did make it happen and they feel good about themselves this morning because they did it. And so something that big versus something where you put a sign in front of the toilet that says, I love myself. Mm -hmm. You know, these are the messages. Well, we I remember need. the sign you always put up there was scary is good. Yeah, I tore it out of a newspaper mm -hmm. because scary is good. Once you face what you're scared of, it makes a huge difference. Okay, well, you have been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke reminding or oh, 
I was Don't almost in the middle Adam. of one. Where's yeah, Adam? Adam, Adam, the ever hopeful. We want to thank the ever hopeful Adam Rich, our Emmy Award winning yes, producer. Me too. And we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is play nice with others, clean up your own mess. And eat your vegetables, even if she didn't say that. All right. Till next time. Bye-bye. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at BlueRockStation.com. Yeah.